This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to another edition of the Grip for 60 podcast, Scramble the Jets edition. Uh, my name is Connor Farrell. You can call me TC. And I am joined from Gainesville. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Brendan. You can call me TCJ. And we're, you know, we're here to talk about the Jets. Um, man, that was a weekend of hockey. Certainly, certainly was. How many games were played? Two. How many points? Four. Four. That, Two that's games. Successful weekend. Four points. Yes. Success, successful weekend, is it not? I, w- I would consider that a successful weekend. Good. Um, so, before we get right into it, do you have any general observations from the game? The two games combined? I mean, a couple of things. I thought that uh, they were oh, just okay against Vancouver and boring at best against um, against Dallas on Sunday. But, yeah. you know, you take any points you can get. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, Vancouver's a, a very good team. Uh, so even just being okay against Vancouver um, – is that's worth something at least for at least for this Jets team it is um what did you think of that Vancouver game I mean I know you said that uh you thought the the Jets were not particularly good in that game but they got they got two points out of it they won four to one yeah and that's that's true I mean like I said anytime you can get points against quality opponents uh, it's a little weird for me to say that about the Canucks, given their right. in recent years. But they have been a very good team to start off the year. So anytime you can get points against that, to me, you take that. Any, you know, you take that. Right, and um, in classic Jets fashion, who scored first? Not the Jets. Not the Jets, which means they're gonna win the game. Um, yeah, JT Miller opens the scoring, and I do want to point this goal out because it, it does bring up a concern of mine, and that's – surprise, surprise, the Jets' defense is bad. Um, Shocking. But there is something that I noticed in particular with this um, – well, maybe not just this goal, but this is one of the things that sort of has pointed – pointing to this um, consistent issue of defending. And I think part of it – You know, we talk a lot about the the individual players that make up this Jets blue line and how they're not very good, not very sound defensively. Um, But I do think uh, there's a little bit more to it. There's another level to look at this, and that's their team structure is 
team defense structure does not seem sound to me, particularly when opposing teams get set up in the attacking zone. Now, that's never a good thing when the other team is just setting up in your defending zone, right? Mm-hmm. But I think in, with the Jets in particular, it's a problem because if they get the puck, if the other team gets the puck below the red line, this Jets team has a tendency to panic. And, and from what I've seen, from my angle, it looks like they have a tendency to panic and they get very reactionary and they don't, they're not where they need to be. Do you have thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, I thought that the first goal was just the only goal by Vancouver, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Horrible, horrible defending. You can't, you can't leave JT Miller just sitting there like literally like directly in front of Connor Hallibuck, just completely undefended. Yeah, I mean, I guess Kulikov was in the area, but you can't leave him that JT Miller that wide open. He's too close to the net. If he gets to the puck, or if he gets to the puck, Kulikov's too far away to do anything about it. Right. And it I mean, was, he's it was, close, but not close enough. It was a nice feed by Troy Stetcher in the first place. Yeah. But that doesn't change the fact that he was completely uncovered. And I'm not honestly, I'm really not even sure what Kulikov is doing on that play. I'm not sure what cool guy was doing on that play. And it looked like um, was it Neil Pionk was out of position too on that play. Neil Pionk, uh, I don't know if he's necessarily caught out of position, but he was higher up in the play because he had to um, make the play on the guy up against the boards. You know who? You know who is very, or at least from what I've seen, is very rarely out of position defensively. Who? Villahanela. And I know he's not a great defenseman, but he will be where he needs to be, and I consider that a strength of his. But you know what? The Jets decided, nah, we don't need that. We'll put him in Europe. Yeah, shipped him off to the other side of the pond. That, that to me, just, it doesn't make any sense. Why are you moving a promising young defenseman from the AHL to Europe? Yeah, we can, we can, talk, about, we can talk about that real quick. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how many, I'm trying to look it up, but I'm not sure how many minutes he was getting in the AHL. And I'm wondering if that was a concern because they want him to get regular minutes. But it's easy enough to get him minutes in the AHL. It's not like he's not good enough to play good minutes in the AHL. He can get plenty of time there. Like competition might be a little bit stronger, but it's not. I mean, he, we, we saw him. He's got NHL talent. He does have NHL talent. If you send him down to the AHL, he, you're going to tell me he's not one of the four best defensemen on that team? I'm, I'm just offering up other suggestions. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I do just want to just throw that out there that he might not be getting regular minutes, and if the Jets have no desire to call him up again this season – it would probably be better off uh, using minutes on guys that they are actually going to call up. I, I guess I'm more inclined to believe that they want him or he would be more comfortable in Europe or they're saying, hey, this Manitoba Moose team isn't very good. Let's, let's see if he can go win a trophy for his hometown team in Finland because um, that would be exciting for him. That to me makes a little bit more sense than, um, than I guess, most hockey-related arguments about his development. Like, I just 
I think playing in the AHL is better in general, it's better for your development than playing in the Finnish league. Um, it's just, it's just better competition. And I, you want a player like Hanel, you want playing against the best competition you can get. Yeah. Um, my other concern is the fact that he would be going back to European ice too, mm. where the game's obviously a little wider. Um, obviously I would like him to get used to the smaller North American ice, but you know, it is what it is. And honestly, I don't think there's quality wise. I don't think there's that much of a difference between the, the Finnish league and the AHL. But yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer for him, honestly, like, I get this is kind of a lost year for the Jets, but I, I do wish that just somehow they could have managed to keep them up at the NHL level and just kind of bounce them between uh, the Jets and, you know, down the hall with the Moose. Literally the same building. Pretty when sure, you say yeah. down the hall, you mean down the hall. Yeah. Um, I have something to, oh, as long as we're on the topic, I do want to reiterate this. This Jets team is a better hockey team with Hannah in the lineup. They are, they're a better hockey team. You're going to, you can't tell me that he that they are a better team with someone like Sabiza or Batetto than they are with um, Villahenela. But you know what? Who needs, who needs good puck-moving defensemen who are strong skaters and positionally sound? Totally not the Jets, right? Totally, totally. not the Jets. And, and I get that his strength isn't – always defending 100% of the time. But I think in if he was playing during that JT Miller play, I think he would have been in the right spot. Yeah, the very, I don't know. I don't think JT Miller would have nearly that much space to make the play he did. At the very least, it didn't look like to me like Hanel had a hard time adapting to the speed of no. the NHL game. He was. There were times where I thought he was chasing the puck. Um, and it was, so he'd be a little bit behind the play, but overall he was fine. He kept up with the pace just fine. Um, but you know, now they've got Bolu back, so they don't need, and they've claimed Sabiza. So I guess everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll go with that, you know. But getting back to the Vancouver game here after talking about Vila Hanela, because, you know, that is one of our favorite pastimes. Talking about Hanela. And getting Even when he's over, in Europe, we're just going to keep talking about how good he is. Yeah, that and uh, getting mad over lineup decisions. Two of our yes. favorite things to do on this podcast. Well, I was specifically not getting mad at lineup decisions. Well, I was kind of getting mad. I was getting mad at the decision to send him to Europe. But the whole point of that rant was we need better team defense. Um, but – Speaking of team defense, yes, uh, the Jets got pretty much owned in their defensive zone in the first two periods, less so in the third, period, which is a little surprising. But yeah, so the Canucks had 2.38 expected goals through the first two periods at five on five, which is uh, not good. Nope. How many did they get? Uh, one. Hey. Praise be for Connor Hallibuck. How does what does that mean for uh, goals saved above average or whatever it is? Uh, I think that's a little different, but yeah. Um, anyway, goal saved above replacement. My bad. Uh, no, you you had it right the first time. Oh, 
Yeah. They're confusing that with goals above replacement. But anyway, yeah. getting back to this, I thought that the Jets weren't great in their defensive zone in this game, and they kind of got away with it thanks to some not great finishing from Vancouver. And as always, Connor Halbuck. Heyo. Um, yeah, and Brennan, tell me, who, who got the Jets back on track? Gee, nobody but Jack Roslevic. The man himself. Wait, what? Who? What? Sorry, that wasn't the way that was supposed to go. What? No, I was just – keep going. Sorry. The, the boy himself, Jack Roslevic, assisted by Blake Wheeler and Neil Pionk. Blake Wheeler – Someone they're trying to get uh, get going a little bit more. He, he's had a kind of a rough start to this season, and here he's picking up his fourth assist on his with his new line mate, Jack Roslovic. Now this is where this is where we get to the scramble the Jets edition of the podcast because these are some new lines we're seeing thrown out here, and one of those new lines is actually I think one of my favorite lines um, on this team. The Jack Roslovic, uh, Blake Wheeler, and um, Nikolai Ehlers. Um, I just like the way Ehlers and Roslovic play together. And it turns out Wheeler's pretty good, too. Um, well, it, it certainly helps that Roslovic and Ehlers are both very good at driving play. And I think that's a, it's a good decision to pair him with uh, those two because – you know, when you're moving back to center, you know, it's not – to me, playing center has to be not only one of the hardest positions in, in hockey. I think it's just in North American sports, I think playing center yeah. is just one of the more difficult so many responsibilities. Yeah. So, you know, it totally helps to have two guys in Ellers and Roslovic who, while they don't light up the scoreboard, they're very good at driving play. Yes. Uh, and I may have spoken too soon. This is um... – this was a power play goal. This wasn't necessarily – I don't remember if um, Ellers was on the ice for this one too, although that's kind of what I would do. I, I would just throw – as long as you've got Roslovic and Wheeler out there, might as well throw his other line mate up, their other line mate out there. But it's also a power play, so that's a very specific skill set, I guess. Right, um, but even though it was on the power play, at least shows that there's some chemistry. There's some sort yes. of produ- productivity yes. with those players. Um, which is good. Um, and then, if that wasn't enough, what, we have a lead. The Jets had a lead after that. Mark Shifley, of all people, gets them on board. That's somebody else. We talked about how Blake Wheeler was trying to get going. These new lines are helping Mark Shifley, an even-strength goal assisted by none other than Kyle Connor, who always shows up at the best time. Um, I don't know if he's – I'll call him clutch. I wasn't going to use that word, but I'll call him clutch. Kyle Connor always shows up when you need him to. Um, yeah, I was going to say he's been kind of snake-bitten at 5-on-5 five five this year, so you know, I always like to see him get on the score sheet. No, but I always – you know, maybe this is just – maybe this is just me. I, I don't have the stats to back this up, but it always seems like he finds a way to get either the goal or the assist right in the most important moments. Uh, yeah. I, I think of a couple overtime goals he's gotten – I, I believe he's gotten a few other assists to tie the game or something. You know, it's just – he shows up when you need him to. And then, of course, Mark Shifley getting the goal just 
just what you want to see right now from this Jets team. Things you'll love to see. That. Yes. Uh, and footnote, do you know who got the secondary assist? Who? None other than Tucker Pullman. Always Tucker Pullman. Never just Pullman. <laughs> Has to be Tucker Pullman. I always find it interesting when, when players that don't um, score very often find their way up on the score sheet for, you know, seemingly no reason. But going back to Kyle Connor, you yes. know, he had a slow start to the season. By slow start, I mean he basically got PDO'd down to, uh, I don't know, he, the depths of the earth. And, but, you know, and then you had all the articles that were like, oh, what's wrong with Kyle Connor? The Jets need to get Kyle Connor back on track. You know, was Kyle Connor worth the money? And it's just like, slow down here. Uh, I he, mean, he, he's not going to have zero points at 5 on 5 for forever. And next thing you know, he has seven points in his last five games. Yeah, like that's okay. So over the season, he's got seven assists and six goals. Um, I know because he's got one of each in this game. And it shows you the totals next to each one. So, um, yeah, so 13 points in how many games? 14-ish games? Probably, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, you know, if you're, if you're just below a point of game pace, hey, I'll take that. Um, you know me. I just always find it fascinating how, like, a guy can have, like, the same level of play over a long period of time. But it's the, the narrative itself is always driven by the points that he puts right. up. So it just and always bothers me whether it's Kyle Connor or, or Eric Carlson or um, like Austin Matthews or some or William Nylander, right? Like, yes. If they go a few games without scoring, even though they're still playing well, it's just the puck's just not going in. It's or, well, gee, what's wrong with them? You know, or from from um, a Flyers perspective. From a goalie's perspective, Carter Hart, I mean, he struggled for three games and everybody's like, oh, washed up, trade him for a bet. And I'm just like, D -d have you learned nothing? Anyway. It's like, um, it's like people... Dombrowski taught you nothing. Yeah, it's like, has, has, have, has, do the words regression to the mean mean absolutely nothing to you? For, listen, those, those are some very big words for a lot of hockey fans, right? You remember your audience here. Not all of, I would venture to say that most hockey fans aren't nerds like we are. Um, well, even then, you're not as much of a nerd as I am. I would still call myself a nerd though. Yeah. yeah. I, I still kind of get what expected goals means. I Listen, I earlier in this podcast, I brought up save, goals saved above average. Yeah. I'm that's, not, I, that's a pretty nerdy stat. And, and I'm proud of you for that. Though, um, though I do feel like sometimes I'll send you something, you'll be like, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, you just kind of like humor me on it as so I rant the, about well, like Eric Carlson or somebody. A lot of that is I can kind of get what you're saying. I don't have anything to add to it because I don't get the full picture of it. But what you're saying makes sense. Um, but getting back to Kyle O'Connor, I, I will say this. I think – we might have been a little bit lazy with the rhetoric regarding Kyle Connor. I think we might have been a little bit critical of him. But I do think we also saw, or at least I saw, I don't know if I mentioned it on the pod, um, and if I didn't, my apologies. Um, but I did see, you know, there was 
he wasn't scoring, but you could see that the, the, the process was there. You could see the skill. You could see, oh, he's going to fix this eventually. Like, that was all there. It was just a matter of falling into place for him. Yeah, and here's one last point I want to bring up from, from this game, sort of. Yeah. Uh, is that I think this is kind of an interesting thing of, like, it kind of describes what Winnipeg's been doing this year, is that in the second period, they outshot Vancouver 19-9. to 19-9. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Yet – well, I, actually, I, I should I should check myself here. A lot of that came from the power play. Uh, they had eight shots, or they had seven shots on goal in that period on the power play. Mm. So really, they on five on five, they outshot them eleven to nine. Uh, yeah. Which isn't. Yeah, but it was like the thing though is that they yeah they had a lot of shots in that period. But at five on five, they didn't generate anything really. They got mm. like Vancouver had more expected goals than they did at five on five, and it wasn't really even close. So again, yes. like being good on the power play is good. Being good at scoring goals on the power play in a league where it's, it can be hard to score at times is good. Being able to yeah. stop teams from scoring on the power play is good. But when you're not good at what the bulk of the game is, and that's being good at five on five, it's tough to win games. Yeah, and, you know, I think when we, we talked about the um, fancy stats, as we like to call them, earlier in the game, or earlier in the, the podcast, uh, Vancouver is very good at con- controlling play and creating chances, whereas Winnipeg is not so much. Um, and I think this builds on this concern that this isn't very sustainable. At some point, the wheels should fall off this team. And I, I think the the uh, the weaknesses are, are quite obvious on this team. So it shouldn't be a surprise if and when that happens. Right. And I think there's this question of how consistent are these players really going to be? How consistent can we see? Like we're seeing, we're, we're seeing Kyle Connor emerge, right? Uh, and he's been doing this. We're talking about, you know, on this podcast, we're talking about this, like this is just happening. He's been good for a few weeks now, right? But we are still starting to see Mark Scheifele starting to get better. Um, Blake Wheeler's finally starting to find his game this, this season, right? How long can we stay up on this? Like, how long can we keep winning games? Or is this really like right over these last two games, this, this has looked like a team that can score four goals a game and they're probably going to need to score four goals a game to, to win a bunch. Um, but there was that stretch of the season where they couldn't score anything. Yeah. And the other thing was, as I'm looking at natural statric as always, but in this game, the five of Sven Berchi, JT Miller, Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes, and Elias Patterson, they were all above 60% in Corsi four percentage at 5 on 5 And they were very good in expected goals. To mm. me, for them to be that good and, not, and to not score at 5 on 5 well, Miller scored at 5 on 5 And I guess, okay, Miller and Patterson scored at 5 on 5 But the other three didn't. They weren't on, on the ice for a goal at 5 on 5 
for that to happen, to me, that's more so the Jets being fortunate and having Connor Halbach in goal than the Jets being good. But you know what, Brennan? Goalie is a, posi- is a position in hockey, and you need to have good ones to win. Yes, uh, believe me, the Sharks fan knows the value of the goaltending position. <laughs> um, and I guess before we move on, I do want to highlight real quick Kyle Connor pickpocketing Tyler Myers just because it's so perfect. And then to go up 3-1 on top of it, like, to me, that is everything that this podcast is about. Guys like Tyler, Tyler Myers losing the puck to guys like Kyle Connor. Did you feel – how vindicated did you feel? Oh, very. Because we have talked a lot of crap about Tyler Myers on this pod. Yeah. I mean, mostly because he's just not a good defenseman. But He's not a good defenseman. But he's big. He, and, he's and he can big. hit people. Grit for 60 champ on um, Vancouver, is he not? Yeah, yeah. It's either him or uh, – no, I think I actually said that Jay Beagle was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But Tyler Myers is pretty much there too. Um, any, other, and, any other thoughts on this game? Well, Adam Lowry. Yeah. Uh, that final goal was interesting just because it was he and uh, Cop, I think it was, they were just passing it back and forth. Nobody wanted to really score it until they had to. It's like uh, that's, it's like that uh, scene from, from SpongeBob with uh, Plankton and, and SpongeBob. It's like, now let them have it. You can, Here, have, you can it. have it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, All right. No. So a couple of days later, matinee game, the Jets have a big divisional matchup against the Dallas Stars. TC, how did that one go? Um, I mean, it was a hockey game. Yeah. By, by, by very technical standards, it was a hockey game. There was, there was a game played on ice with skates, sticks, and a puck. Yes. Um, pretty boring affair, but we did get to witness a Patrick Line clapper. An absolute bomb on the power play. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the kind of play where you're like, okay, yeah, I can see why the Jets are paying Patrick Line. <laughs> yes, that is, what we, that is what you pay him to do. Um, it, it was just... Beautiful to watch. Um, and if he can do that consistently, well, probably not consistently, but if he can do that with some regularity and play the, the game that he's been playing so far this season, he should be worth the money. Yeah, and to me, it wasn't just, like, how far away it was. It was the fact that he hit it with such pace and with... Precise, too. Yeah, it, it, it was just, perfect. It, it just kind of sort of seemed that it, it just, like, it had eyes. Just, just lasered. It was like that one. Um, it's like one of those backyard sports power ups, you know. Oh my goodness! So you pick it up and it just the puck goes all over the place and into the goal, and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, really. But aside from that, this was some pretty. Uh, it, it was pretty much what you would expect from a matinee hockey game. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, a whole lot happened. Yeah, so the Jets only attempted 36 shots at 5 on 5 in this game, and the Stars were a whole lot better at 45. So it's like the good news is is that 
the Jets did a decent job at, at you know, from a shot suppression standpoint. The bad news is they couldn't generate a blessed thing at 5-5. The good news is I don't think Connor Hellbuck was necessarily the best player on the ice in sealing them a game this time, which when I put it like that doesn't sound like good news, but it is kind of refreshing to see, okay, they can win without Connor Hellebuck absolutely standing on his head. In case you're wondering, the expected goals in this game at 5-on-5 were 1.1 to 1.28 in favor of Dallas. Even even if you look at all situations, the Jets do come out ahead, but it's 1.76 to 1.38. Like, this was not an exciting hockey game by any means. So we got almost exactly as many goals as we should have. I mean, I think you got you got, you got more goals than you. But I mean, I mean. Oh, actually, no. Yeah. Like fractions. Yeah, if you round, it's um, about the same. If you round the whole goals. Yeah, because I'm not. This doesn't keep track of overtime. But speaking of overtime, because this one went to overtime, like I just mentioned. Yes. Very, very nice. Yeah, did you like that transition? Yes. But that was a very nice textbook two-on-one Yes. to win the game. Yes. I mean, to me, that's where, like, the skill of um, realizing which players are which on the ice as a goalie comes in handy, <laughs> right? Because, like, I feel like it's something that happens so fast, it's kind of hard to, like, process. But when it's, yeah. like, I think it was, was it Morrissey on the other side, that two-on-one? When um, Shankly, if, if it's Shankly, was on the ice, I don't know if he was the other player. Because if it was, I might be remembering this wrong. In which case, just forget about everything I'm going to say for the next 30 seconds. But it's like one of those things where it's like, if it's Shankly on one side and, and he has the puck and it's Morrissey on the other side, it's like, he's not passing that. <laughs> but that was an absolute that was an absolute laser beam by Shankly to, to win the game in overtime. And you, you know what? To me, that's a captain's goal. That's the kind of goal you score if you are trying to take control of this team and you said, this is my team and I'm going to lead them to victory. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain. This is exactly the kind of goal you want to see out of Mark Shifley when he's frankly was been struggling. Um, that's just all I had to say about that. Goal. Well, time out. Uh, <laughs> might want to correct ourselves here. Blake Wheeler is the captain. But Blake Wheeler is the captain. You're right. Yeah. Embarrassing. Uh, I get those two mixed up. That's yeah, it's fine. fine. It, was, it was one of those things where it's like, I think you're right on that. But then I was like, no, I don't think you are. But You know what? I said it with confidence. So it was, yeah. you know. Fake it till you make it. but Or until your brother rats you out. <laughs> I know. I've always been a snitch, okay? Always, I've always been a snitch. Yeah, no kidding. But hey, uh, that was a big extra point to get ahead of a divisional opponent. The Jets are sitting at 21 points in 18 games. Hey, they're they're fourth in the Central Division. I believe they would have a playoff spot. At the very least, they're tied with uh, the Canucks and the the Golden Knights. I know that we talk about how much, like, this Jets team is due for regression. And I still think that's the case. Because after all, they only have, I think I saw a stat that's like four wins in regulation, which mm-hmm. that's not good. Nope. Like, depending on points in shootout and overtime, that is not a recipe for repeated success. And you know what? They got a real tough 
schedule slate of games coming up here. Right. And again, Colorado, like I said, a Florida team that's been playing very well. Tampa team that hasn't been playing well, but you know how talented they are. They can be dangerous. Uh, might have found their game in Sweden somehow. And then two days off and you get Nashville, who is full of talent. Yeah, but what I was going to say, though, is that sometimes these teams that aren't great at 5-1-5 but have ridiculous goaltending, sometimes they go on these crazy runs in their regular season, and somehow they make the playoffs. Do I think that's going to happen to the Jets? Probably not. But it has happened before in the past. (laughs) And especially in this division where it just seems like everybody's a mess all the time. Stranger things have happened. But that's why I say, though, that even if you're not playing well, picking up points is still – like, those are still points. They don't count any less just because you get bombarded at five on five. Right. Right. But we'll we'll have to see if their special team success can continue and hold up. Yeah, I mean, uh, up until up until maybe this weekend, it hasn't been great. Yeah, at some point, you're gonna have to get something more out of Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Well, we're seeing it. They're they, How many goals did you want them to score this weekend, Brendan? It's not so that from a from a goals point standpoint. It's more so from a play driving standpoint, because if you're looking at the relative Corsi numbers, Shifley and Wheeler aren't doing great, and neither is Line. Like the big play drivers on this team are Brian Little, Andrew Kopp, and Nikolai Ellers, and Jack Roslevic. R.I.P. Brian Little. And listen, points are great. All right, points are great for Brian Little. Right. But at some point, it's going to be hard to generate points when you're playing most of the game in your defensive zone. Right. Well, particularly when this team is playing in their defensive zone. And, and to adapt a line from uh, Brad Pitt and, and Moneyball, if, he's, if his stats are so good, why aren't his advanced stats so good, you know? What's his – what is the actual – if he's – if the actual if, line if he's is a good hitter. Why is why doesn't he hit good or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's that one. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the, the Jets are still looking for Fabio. <laughs> God, I love that movie. I know you do. I know you want to play Moneyball with the Jets right now, but yeah, that's call, what we've been before. Yeah, call up Sammy Niku, you cowards. Okay. Um, for real. Like I'm not, I'm really not even joking about that. Like, I'm, I'm wondering when they actually will call him up because he's been on a tear lately in the HL. Brendan, Brendan, what? Have you seen? Have you seen Lucas Sabiza? Listen, Sammy Niku is over a point per game in the HL right now. That's pretty good. <laughs> he's got nine points in eight games. Somebody call up that poor man. <sighs> Flyers would have done it by now. Hashtag Phil Myers is actually good. You know, because because like that's my general feelings on that are, is that what's the point of if Nikki's playing well in the AHL, what's the point? Because he's getting blocked in the lineup by the likes of Lucas Visa and uh, whatever Tucker Pullman and 
you know, a bunch of guys, right? A bunch of guys that, you know, we, that we know aren't great NHL players. Do you mind if I play devil's advocate for a second? This doesn't reflect my true beliefs, but it is a counter-argument I have thought of. Go for it. Shoot. Sammy Niku playing a, at a point-per-game pace does not solve the fact this Jets blue line is atrocious at defending. How is he going to fix the defensive aspect of this blue line? We've already got players like um, who was I guess? Neil Pionk who can move the puck, right? We don't have defenders who can protect the house. How does Nico Niku fix that? Well, first of all, do you know what one of the best ways to defend is? Not mm. letting the other team have the puck. Right in, in front of your net. Well, just not letting the other team have the puck in the first place. <laughs> it's one of those, like, the best defense is the best offense. Like, right. And I, you know? I think in hockey that's very important. And, and the other thing is, is that I don't know how Sammy Niku defends. Why? Because he probably hasn't played that much at the NHL level. And, you know. It, well, you know, if you watch the AHL nerd, you might figure it out. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has 32 NHL games. and He's only played in one this season. I think he's earned a call up. But anyway, I don't want to end up talking about the subject about as much as we talked about the games this weekend. So I will <laughs> simmer down for that. Watch so let's, the game let's nerd. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk about uh, who are they playing on? Oh, Colorado. The Avalanche. Yeah. So I was like, it's not the Panthers. The Lava Lance. Yeah. The good old Colorado Lava Lance. Uh, it's been an interesting time for the Colorado Avalanche lately. <laughs> like that national game uh, l- last week where they went down and then scored like eight in a row or something crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it might've been like six in a row in the third period or something. And they ended up winning nine to four. That's, that's bizarre. Like that doesn't happen anymore. That but, was against Nashville too. Nashville's a good team. Yeah. And they, they jump out to a hot start and then all of a sudden they get hit with a bunch of injuries yeah, and the next thing you know, they're losing like five in a row. Next thing you know, they're they're skating out Valerie Nishushkin, or was he already in their lineup? I mean, I've already been there. TJ Tynan Tinnen is playing. Tinnen, T Y N A N. I'm gonna go with Tinnen. That is a, a Y and an N next to each other. That's a no. <laughs> Timothy Jimothy Tinnen. <laughs> yeah, like it's uh, – they went from having a, a strong lineup to <laughs> probably the most wins above replacement yeah. on, the, on okay. IR. Here's, here's a better example. Nathan McKinnon went from playing with Mika Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog to playing with Jonas Donskoy and Matt Calvert. Yeah, that's gonna that's that's an oof from me. That's and can then, we get can we get an F for Nathan McKinnon? Yeah, and then they also have uh, Colin Wilson and Nikita Zadorov out. It's it's been it's been tough for them with the injuries lately. Zadorov might play Tuesday, I think. Oh, if really? I remember that article correctly. No, he might play later in their road trip. 
Mm. Rontanen and Zadorov might play later in the road trip. I don't think we'll see them against um, Winnipeg. Especially though, uh, Zadorov is skating with a broken jaw, which that's impressive to me. Well, to be doing anything with a broken jaw is impressive. Fair enough. I wonder how he likes his smoothies. Very blended. (laughs) Very fine. Um, Shaken, not stirred. But if, if, if if Grubauer isn't good to go. Um, we might see Pavel Vancou or Adam Werner. I, I choose to, to use the German pronunciation just because it's way more fun than saying Werner. Werner. Yeah, we are, we're, gonna, we're just going to operate under the assumption that uh, Grubauer is going to play. But I like, I like the prospect of um, Patrick Laine just – Clapping one straight through Adam Werner. Not around him. Not past him. Through him. But this is another chance for Winnipeg to launch themselves further into the Central Division discussion. Yes. Because, you know, you take two points in over, or you take two points in regulation. Yes. That's, you know, obviously it's two points in your favor and it's at home. You know, if, if you, if you want to be a playoff team, these are the kind of games you have to win. Correct. But uh, Colorado is a pretty good team. Pretty good team. And even with, even without um, Ronson and Landis Cog and Zadorov, I guess. They're still a pretty good team. And I, I kind of mock uh, Nick McKinnon having to play with Don Skoy, but he's a good player. Don Skoy's a good player. Calvert is good, I think. I don't really have an opinion of Matt Calvert. Does anybody really have an opinion of how good Matt Calvert is? I just remember him for getting suspended um, for hitting Brian Rust, I think, in the, in the playoffs in 2017. No, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I liked Matt Calvert a whole lot. But, you know, I mean, the Avalanche are at least an interesting team. They're at least fun. So, who is the Grit Per 60 champion of Colorado? I was going to say, well, I was going to say that their Grit Per 60 champion is hurt. Zadorov? Yeah, to me, Nikita Zadorov is their big Z. Is their big. Uh, yeah, he's he's their Gripper six champion. Can we still crown him if he's hurt? I guess not. So my nomination was going to be. Uh, you know what the gritty move is? Playing hurt, skating with a broken jaw. That is the gritty move. I think we have to crown him. <laughs> but to me, I think that it has to be Pierre Edouard Belmar. Yeah, love that man. Former flyer Pierre Edouard Belmar, French European born. I I have to specify that because I, you can say French hockey player and still mean Canadian. But the problem is, is that he's probably not going to play uh, against the Jets either because he's in concussion That's protocol after um, getting hit up high. Well, who does that leave us then? Uh, yeah, it was like, uh, I'm not really super, it was like, I'm not really super familiar with the bottom of 
Vancouver or not Vancouver, Colorado's lineup, and most of their other guys are like smaller and more skilled. Like yeah, they have yeah. two former sharks and Jonas Donskoy and Matt Nieto, and I'm like they're not gritty at all. No. Uh, Mark Barbaria, maybe. <laughs> it's kind of slim picking. Mm, I'm gonna go with Mark Barbario. Yeah, Ian even, Cole. I think right now we're gonna have to pass on the Avalanche uh, when it comes to Gripper sixty champions because right. everyone is just hurt apparently, much like the rest of the team. No contest. Yes, exactly. We're just gonna hit left, right, A, and start <laughs> all at the same time. That was yes. the most convoluted nonsense growing up. Just like, why do I have to press every button on the controller to end this fight? Why can't I just go to a menu, scroll down a few, press A, and then hit yes? I want to say that we probably did it on accident. Like, hey, what does this do? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we did that a, a quite a few times. But and then we did it more times for comedic effect. Yes. Anyway. So I think that's going to do it for this episode. Of... What, what, what do you think of the game? What do you oh, think? Oh, right. Uh, I am going to go 3-1 Avalanche. You know what? I wasn't initially going to do this, but I talked myself into it. 4-3 Jets. All right. Well... Okay. Now, any other closing comments? Um, let's do that hockey. Yeah, let's let's do that hockey. I'm always down to do that hockey. Okay. Actually, actual closing comments. This team has a game every other day this week. Four games in seven days. All Jets every other time. Every other day. <laughs> No back-to-backs, which is good. Actually, if you want to include the Vancouver game in there, that's five games in, see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days. Five games in nine days. That is that is a lot of hockey. A few of those are at home, though, right? Uh, Sunday, three of those five are at home, yes. And we've already seen two of them. This next one against Colorado at home, and then they get a road trip. Because right. the Jets have a somewhat normal schedule, unlike the Flyers, who don't have any home stands. So Yeah, exactly. All right. I think that is going to do it for another episode of the Grid Pro 60 podcast. You can TC, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at TC underscore 904, and also on Instagram at the same handle. Nice. Uh, you guys can find me at bfarrell727 on Twitter. You can find the podcast on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Um, though I would check the Hockey Podcast Network's Spotify and SoundCloud pages because they get the episodes before we put it on our feeds, and I'm still behind on that. So check that out first. Uh, also, the Hockey Podcast Network is running a giveaway with uh, I believe Gong Show. So go do that. We retweeted it. So go take part in that. Um, and then, yeah, and you can find our podcasts on social media at Gripper60Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I think I got everything there. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for getting this far and uh, have a good one.
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.